Welcome to Wake the F Up, hosted by Alex Long. This podcast is all about living consciously and helping people uncover their essential self so they can stop sleepwalking through life. Our goal is to create a safe space where our guests can share how they decided to wake the F up and become mindfulness experts through their own emotional healing journey. And now, here's your host, Alex Long. Welcome to Wake the F Up Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Long, and I'm so excited to welcome today's guest, Crystalyn Oakland, a mom, a widow, and an amazing jewelry designer based in New Orleans. Creating a jewelry line was not always a part of Crystalyn's plans. However, a major life-altering event changed the course of her journey when her 38-year-old husband, Ryan, passed away from cancer. The experience of becoming a widow opened her eyes to unapologetically living her purpose. That was in 2016, and Crystal and Oakland Jewelry was launched in 2018, based on a desire to connect the intentions of women's journey to the jewelry she wears every day. Welcome, Crystalyn. Thank you so much for coming. I am beyond excited to have you here. Um, just a little back note for our guests and our listeners. We've been connected for a while. Um, we shared we shared at one point the same grief therapist, and uh, our therapist was really amazing about creating mentorship with other widows, young widows to connect. And when I was really struggling um, with this, this entire process, obviously, but also the, the idea that I might even be able to pull out of the dark, um, Jan recommended that I meet you. And I've always thought that we were kindred souls and meant to be in each other's lives and, I, and your presence and just you were ahead of me in the journey by several years, but you're, you're just always been so insightful and helped me to realize that we will take the next steps to get to a better place. And I feel like our positivity and our need to like continue on in, in life and live life fully in the honor of our first spouses is, is, is such shared energy. So thank yes. you for joining. Thank it was always a pleasure. <laughs> um, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your story and, um, let it rip. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's interesting the connections that we make when, when going through something so hard. Right. Um, so yeah, I lost my husband in 2016. We were before he got sick. So he had peripheral T cell lymphoma. Um, before he got sick, we were kind of like living, what we thought was our dream, right? Like working to, we worked together at his uh, family jewelry store where we met and um, we had gotten married in, uh, let's say 2011. And we decided like, Hey, it's time to have a baby. You know, we were just kind of doing the things that you think you're supposed to do, right? Like the, the way it goes, you get your job, you get married, you have a baby. Um, and then when we got pregnant, Ryan got sick. So everything kind of like turned upside down. And while we were supposed to be like super excited about this part of our journey, it turned into like, holy shit, my life is so important because I have to be for him, you know, be a father, uh, me for him being, you know, the dad to our, to our unborn child. Um, at the same time, we were like, are you, is he going to make it? You know, is he going to yeah. survive cancer to be able to take on this, this new role? Um, I think that was like the biggest shift for us was like the mindset of we literally just found out we were pregnant 
and then he gets a pretty severe out of nowhere diagnosis at 36 years old. How, Um, how far along were you? I don't know if I've ever asked you that. So I was, so we got pregnant. We went to a trade show a few weeks later in, uh, in Las Vegas. It's like the biggest jewelry trade show in the U S and Ryan wasn't feeling well. His back was hurting, which he carried a briefcase. We walked miles and miles and it, he, so he was getting sick then, like that was like the beginning of the symptoms of cancer, but we didn't know it was like officially cancer until we found out we were having a boy. So I guess you find out around 18 weeks, 20 weeks, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when we found out we were actually at the doctor's office, found out we're having a boy. We didn't care what we, you know, what the sex of the baby was, but it was an exciting moment. We went to, to lunch to kind of go celebrate And the doctor called, Ryan took the call and the doctor said, Hey, we don't know exactly what type or we can't really explain it all yet, but it's, it's pretty highly likely you have cancer. So literally, wow. Just found out we're having this baby boy like an hour ago. And we get this devastating news. Like you have, um, cancer and we're not even really sure what kind, like it's a rare cancer. Um, So yeah, it was pretty, like, we didn't get really a time to like celebrate the pregnancy or get excited. Um, Not that we weren't excited, but we just, the fear was so strong that it like kind of negated the excitement a little bit. Like they kind of like almost, they didn't cancel each other out. The fear was way stronger than the, probably the excitement. It was just different. You know, it's not what you expect when, when you're becoming a parent. It's so crazy. Um, I don't know if you, you know, you're a little ahead of me in the journey because Carl died in 2019. Um, but I think about that a lot. Like, so the diagnosis, you're so consumed with fear. Yep. And you have to check all these boxes. And I mean, the doctors are everywhere pushing you and in a, in, not in a bad way, but like in the ways to get the right help as fast as you can. But it's so overwhelming that as a mother, right, and you were a new mother and I was a young mother, it was um, under one breastfeeding still when, when Carl was diagnosed. I think a lot about that, what you just said. So like how this one piece is so intense and full of all these emotions of fear and sadness and worry and, you know, surrounding this, this hard thing, maybe not so, it's not a positive thing. You know, there's positive things that can spring from it, but that it's like you, it really takes you out of the celebratory joy of parenting. And I, I wonder if that's been a hardship for you in terms of like your entire pregnancy, this really hard thing was sitting next to the joy of becoming a first time mom. And it's just so hard when you can't focus on that in the way that you would if you didn't have this hard thing sitting next to it. Definitely. Yeah. I've, I've thought before, like, gosh, it'd be neat to be, you know, pregnant again and experience pregnancy in a different way. Um, that hasn't happened for me. And I, I really don't see that happen in the future. It, it's just a thought, you know, like, especially early on, Ryan died seven years ago. So early on, it was like, you know, I could possibly get remarried. I was in my thirties, became a widow at 32. Like I could have another child, like how different would that feel or be? But I'm so grateful that I had our son because literally 
we had tried for like eight months before and we weren't getting pregnant. Like every month it was like, nope, not pregnant, not pregnant, not pregnant. And we literally got pregnant and then Ryan got sick. And so if we didn't get pregnant that literally that month, we wouldn't have had him because he wasn't, he was sick. Like we weren't going to be trying anymore, you know? Um, So I'm just grateful. It's a miracle. My child is amazing. Uh, He is, um, he's just like a God knew what I needed, you know, God knew what I needed and he's had challenges. We have challenges. um, But I feel like so much of what I dealt with, with Ryan's illness prepared me for just some things that we deal with, with, you know, he, some struggles that he has, you know? Um, but yeah, it's been a beautiful, uh, it's been a crazy journey. So Ryan passed away when Winston was 16 months. So I went from us working together in the jewelry store, um, to, when Ryan was sick, we moved away. We had to go to Texas. So we're from New Orleans. We had to go to MD Anderson, live in the medical center for about 16 months. So the baby was born here in New Orleans. And when he was five weeks old, we took our newborn and we went for Ryan to go have a stem cell transplant. We went to MD Anderson. So I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, like I'm trying to be there for my husband navigate this crazy disease he has and figure out the best possible way to save him along with him and his dad and everybody who was really just trying their best to to help him survive. But then I'm like a mom who does not know what, I mean, when you're a first time mom, you don't know what you're doing. Um, (laughs) Not at all. No, there's like, there's no book for that. Right. (laughs) No. And, I'm like, and then just that alone is hard. Like, and then lay, lay this whole other, especially I was thinking like when you have lymphoma and he also had leukemia too, right? Lymphoma and, and, and leukemia. He developed leukemia. Yeah. That's ultimately what he passed away from was leukemia. But yeah, he first had lymphoma and then got leukemia. Well, and Carl's cancer was, you know, you're always immunocompromised on treatments and cancer, but man, when you have lymphoma and leukemia on top of that, like you guys had to do a lot of isolation. I don't think people know that. Like there's so yeah. much risk at, at keeping yourself healthy. And well, he had immunity. a stem cell transplant, which, which ultimately meant they took his uh, complete immune system down to zero. Uh, he had an amazing donor from Germany, a woman from Germany uh, donated her stem cells and really gave him a second chance at life. And then you have to rebuild this new immune system. So we had a baby at home uh, who really couldn't go play with other kids, you know, and I say home, we were at an apartment in Texas. Um, And so when Ryan, so when you do stem cell, he was in the hospital for I think like 20 something days, the baby couldn't come to the hospital, like couldn't even really be around him. And then we even had to uh, not do some um, vaccinations for the baby because they were like live vaccines and Ryan could have got illnesses from it. So he couldn't change like the baby's diaper, which I'm sure he was happy about. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, there was a lot of this like true isolation, being in a different city and just wanting him to survive, like at all costs. Like we will stay in this apartment building. All we did was go for walks. I did wind up meeting a doctor whose family was there, who was amazing. She was in the same complex as us. Uh, Her name's Rihanna. Menon and she's an amazing breast surgeon. Now she's in Boise. 
Um, but she was like, gosh, she was like my saving grace. Mm-hmm. She was just, she could, if, if Winston uh, got sick or something, she could come take his temperature for me and make sure he's okay. You know, like she was like this nurturer. She had two boys. Um, and she just kind of took me under her wing and took care of me who was taking care of this baby and this, you know, and my husband. Um, so it's, it's funny when you go through like really hard times, people come, like there's people that show up in your life and you're like, like for me, I think God put them there, you know, mm-hmm. um, like someone, a bigger force than me aligned sure. this alignment up. Right. Um, she was one of those for me. She was like, I would call her like one of my, I would say the same about you, like silver lining friends. Like there's some silver lining and this hard situation. And that was her for me. Um, but yeah, Ryan, you know, really battled. He, if anybody could have cured him, it would have been him. Like he was literally the smartest person I knew. And, you know, they always say like, don't go Googling stuff and come to the doctor's office. It like gets doctors annoyed because there's so much bad information out there, but he would study medical journals. Like he would dive deep into his disease. And he was such a person that could connect on a deeper level with people because he was intelligent, but he also had the ability to like be socially smart and aware that he had doctors from Memorial Sloan Kettering and MD Anderson, like, literally come together and just formulate these plans based on uh, some of his research. And even the Dr. Memorial Sloan Kettering wasn't our doctor. He wasn't getting paid, but he was so invested in Ryan that he was like, I will do whatever I can to get you, you know? So if anybody could have cured him, he would have did it. Um, But yeah, ultimately he passed away at 38 years old. Our baby was 16 months old and I was 32. So So challenging. And I, I think since I've met you, um, and I knew when you were going to come on the show, so you're coming in, it feels weird because we're, we're actually still in September, but you won't air until October, but, um, September was the month Carl died. And I've been highlighting just people that stand out to me in grief, different forms of it, different stories about it. And Ryan and Carl had a lot in common in terms of their intellect and being able to like mad research and pull doctors, heartstrings. I brought our palliative care doctor was on, um, two, it'll be two episodes before yours airs. And she just still just as phenomenal as I remembered her. You know what I mean? It was weird to dive back in and be like, she was exactly what you said, like a silver lining person who just like was practicing mindfulness and medicine and connected to us. And I was thinking like with you, one of the things that I really think that stands out for me in our relationship and you as a widow, you're just a, first of all, a force despite your story and, and because of your story at the same time, symbols seem to be something that I feel like when I think of you, I think of the symbolic nature of life and, and somehow you're, you have this beautiful nature to connect emotionality to symbols. And I remember when we first met, um, Gosh, you got me, I think it me still, still choked up to this day about it. Um, we talked about butterflies being the connection yeah. between you and Ryan. And like, that was super early days prior to even him getting sick. Like I wanted maybe you to start talking about symbols. Cause I do think it leads into a lot of like, even now what you're doing, you're still, you've just put these major emotional connections to symbols or to people and connect your connector. And I think Um, a lot of our stories in grief and death, I I want you're you're the last person that's going to be on my grief month. 
And it's interesting because I was like, oh my gosh, she's the perfect person to end on a raw and real but positive note because I do think there is these like positive angels, symbols, silver lining friends, um, yeah. butterflies and things that just like, it, it reminds us that the, maybe the divinity or the, the eternity of the soul is, is kind of always presence. And I don't want to get too religious because I honestly don't know. And I'm not that religious of a person, but Same. I am so spiritual and I know you are too. So Same. Yeah. tell me about butterflies. That was a long-winded version of talking about your butterfly stories. <laughs> <laughs> so what's interesting is that I don't think I really connected a lot of symbols to really anything before Ryan passed. Um, but whenever he did pass, I remember Winston and I, my, my son is Winston, uh, we came back home and we just kind of hunkered down for a little bit. Like, I, I think and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit too, like in a little while, but who are you? Like, that's what I, I kind of came home and I came home to this, to my house that I shared with Ryan and, um, it was his house before it was my house. And so I kind of felt like, is this my house? Who am I? I'm not a mm -hmm. wife anymore. I had given up my career to take care of him and have the baby for the last two years. Now I'm a mom. Now I'm a single mom. And now I'm a freaking widow, you know? Um, yeah. like what, who, who, who who am I? Um, and so for a little bit, I literally like hunkered down and didn't leave my house. Um, I just needed to like, I was in a fog. Like I felt like I cared for Ryan and, and it was my responsibility to care for him all the way into the moment that he was placed into his grave. Like I didn't stop. I didn't, I lived in like the shock of it for a bit. And then when that was done and his funeral had happened, I like kind of just cocooned right in Winston and I, and he was a baby. So he didn't really, he could, I mean, he didn't know much of what was happening, but my sister was like, Crystalyn, you need to get out of the house. Like just come to lunch with me. And I'm like, okay. So about two weeks after Ryan died, I, I, I got out of the house. Finally, I was scared of everything too. So I was scared mm -hmm. of like, do I have the baby strapped in? Right. Is he okay? Like, or is he going to choke on something? Like, everything scared the shit out of me. Yeah. I still battle through that, you know, but I got out the house and literally we, we weren't going very far. We we're going to a restaurant. That's like five minutes from our house. I got to the end of the block at a stop sign and there was like a couple white butterflies like flew in front of the car. And I was like, I did a double take. Cause I'd never seen a white butterfly. I'm like, what was that? I thought maybe it's just something floating in the air. So then I keep going. And the next time I stop at a light, butterflies in front of the car all white butterflies I'm like what is that every single time I stopped on the way butterflies flew in front of our car and they were all white so I got to the restaurant and I was like give me this do you see all those white butterflies on all like what is that are they moths like I've never seen that before she's like I don't know what you're talking about I'm like, you don't see, like, literally they're everywhere. And she was like, I did not see it. And so she's texting my brother-in-law who we feel like knows everything. I feel like he really does, but it, it, she, and he's like, yeah, there's white butterflies. I mean, you don't really see them, but you know, they exist. You just don't see them that often. So anyway, she's like, okay, we move on from it. Well, then we get in the car to go to, we were going across the street to the mall. So we just hopped in one car and we went, as soon as we got in the car, the butterflies were back in front of us. 
Anyway, she saw that she lives in, in about 45 minutes away. So like after the mall, she drove home. She saw the white butterflies all the way home. And so I couldn't help but to just feel like it was, it calmed me. Like the butterflies mm-hmm. were like, it's okay. Like, I don't know. And so it seemed like to me, it was a sign from Ryan and they're white. It just seemed like it made sense. Well, after that, every time we went outside, every time we looked outside, like everywhere we were, there were butterflies and it started to become like almost comical. Like I have Mm -hmm. a ring camera, like you could see me walk out the house and a butterfly would like go right in my face and like spin me around. (laughs) And I would just start cracking up laughing like an absolute lunatic because Ryan was kind of silly, you know? And so I'm like, gosh, this must be him. It must be his connection to me. Like, I guess it's his way of coming back and saying he's okay. Well, one night I was sitting in my bed and I was like, I feel like I had a conversation with Ryan about like coming back and like letting me know he's okay. And so I pulled up some notes I had in my phone because, you know, we would be at the hospital late at night and I would just, he'd go to sleep and I'd be sitting in the dark with all my PPE on at the time because he was so, you know, uh, he couldn't have germs. So I had like gloves on and full gear and mask and I would take two of my fingers out of the gloves and text notes to myself. And I Mm -hmm. had a note in there from right before he passed that said, you know, tonight I asked Ryan if he'd come back, if something happened, you know, if he did make it, which we didn't talk about a lot. Um, And he said, if he could, he will, like he will show up. And I'm like, oh God, this is the symbol. And so anyway, since then, we have been surrounded by butterflies in the most amazing ways. People who are with us see it and they're like, this is crazy. Um, I've taken pictures of a beautiful sunset and there'd be like a butterfly that I didn't even see that would be like right in the picture. Um, We had lunch. We had lunch multiple times. And every time I had lunch with you, I laugh because... I'd be driving in white butterflies <laughs> and I was like, I never see white butterflies. And like yeah. every time I'm around you, it was only, I would say only in that acute period when we were, we were really talking about our grief and you were, you know, maybe struggling with this, that, and the other, we both were struggling in different, you know, times, different places and different emotionality. But it, I, I was always like, Oh my God, the white butterflies I saw. Yeah. And to me, I remember, did you tell me there was something like when you went to the art show there was, I, I'm, this is such a hard recall because it was a long time ago that we talked about this. Didn't you go to like an art um, show or I mean a jewelry show of some sort and something butterfly happened there too? Like you guys connected on a butterfly thing there too? Like a piece of artwork or some kind of piece of jewelry? Me and Ryan? I remember. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we, so we went to, right before he got sick, we went to a wedding in New York for one of um, his really good friends that's a diamond buyer there. And, um, we went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art and there was an exhibit for a jewelry designer called Jar, J-A-R. It's Joel Arthur Rosenthal. And he is the most obscure, um, talented. I mean, the most famous people have his stuff. His jewelry is so rare. Um, and so they did a lot, like an exhibit for his jewelry, which again, most people who have exhibits at the Met are not alive anymore. So it was a big deal. Uh, and Ryan and I got to go to it and... The whole story is absolutely insane, but I love it. Joel is extremely like reclusive and he doesn't do media. You might see two pictures of him on the internet. Like people don't even know what the guy looks like. Okay. But Ryan, who is a jeweler by trade. So Ryan was um, a diamond buyer 
Um, and he absolutely loved jewelry. Not like if you saw him, he had a plain gold wedding band and like he wore a cross that I made for him eventually, but not for him, just uh, the love of jewelry. It was his family's business and he loved diamonds and the craftsmanship of like finely made jewelry. So, so we get to the Met and um, we're doing our coat check because it was really cold in New York. And he's like, that's Joel. And I'm like, that old man over there? Well, I hope he never listens to this podcast because that's pretty rude that I just said that. We're low, we're low level. We're low level. <laughs> I know, I, well, I didn't picture him to look. He was like a smaller, older gentleman. And it's just not what I pictured because his jewelry is very edgy and like mm-hmm. funky and eclectic and just cool, you know? And so mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that's so interesting. So we check our coats and we go to walk to the exhibit. And he, uh, Joel, his partner, and someone else are standing right before the exhibit. Nobody would know that that is who he is because no one knows what he looks like. Like, he's that obscure. If you look him up, you'll be like, yeah, there's two pictures on the internet of this guy. And so, but Ryan knows, like, that is him. And if you knew Ryan, he was the most unassuming person. You would never know his family owned a jewelry store and he was a diamond buyer. Like, he dressed very casually he had holes in his shoes most days, like didn't like to, like he was just chill. And he didn't care about celebrity. Like we saw a lot of people come through the store and Ryan was not like in awe of celebrities. Like he's kind to everyone. And so he sees this guy, but he's in awe. Like this is the person who he's like, holy. This friend, is his celebrity. You know? This is his celebrity. And so he's like, hi, uh, Mr. Rosenthal. You know, like, because no one else knows who the guy is and he likes it that way. So he doesn't know how the guy's going to react. And he's like, oh, no, that's not me. And Ryan's like, I I know who you are. I'm a really big fan. I'm also a jeweler. And so he kind of put his guard down a little bit with with Ryan. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah, I'm a diamond buyer from New Orleans. I'm, you know, just, um, you know, so inspired by your work. And I think it's amazing. And I'm just excited to be here and see it. Um, is there any way you'd take a picture with me? Now the guy doesn't take pictures. Okay. Like he's not, <laughs> <I love> posted. <laughs> he's not a picture guy. And funny is Ryan hates pictures, never had social media, like wouldn't, wouldn't have posted it. Um, but the guy's like, no, like, and we knew it was going to be, a, he knew it was going to be a no. So the guy's like, no. And then he's like, I understand, you know, whatever. He's like, all right, well, we start walking through the exhibit. Well, Joel and his partner and this woman are in front of us. So Ryan is in like an earshot of him describing all the jewelry to the woman. And he's like, I mean, this is like his dream, which is amazing that happened right before he was diagnosed. Um, So we got to like go behind him and like hear everything, but we weren't like connecting with them. We were just like listening. And so we get to like, not really the end, but almost to the end of it. And Joel comes over to Ryan and he's like, what do you think? And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And so Ryan looks at him and he says, the only thing I can think is it's devastating. And I'm like, what a word to use. But it was like, you had nothing else to say. Like it was so powerful, you know, and it was devastating in a good way. And the Mm -hmm. guy, you know, kind of lit up like, yeah, you know. And so he comes back over to Ryan a little while later. Well, I mean, we were so, it was a really dark exhibit and we were like so close to the glass because it was all behind glass, because it's like millions of dollars worth of jewelry. And our foreheads were like imprinted on the glass as we were like looking at everything. And so uh, 
Joel comes over and he hits Ryan on the butt with a book. <laughs> and he's like, here, here's one of my books uh, that they're selling in the gift sh shop or whatever. I'd like you to have it. Well, we had bought the books already. Like he's such a fan. We already had him, but he was like, no, this one, this guy gave me, you know, Joel gave it to me. So anyway, when we're in the gift shop, we get a couple of things and we, one print that he really wanted was this picture of a butterfly brooch. So it's a butterfly, it's blue. Um, and it's got diamonds on it. It's beautiful. And so, um, he, we go to check out and the, the guy at the checkout is like, well, give me that book. I got to charge you for the book. And Ryan's like, no, Joel gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's like, yeah, right. You know, like they don't, and he's like, no, no, he did. And so anyway, they wound up getting with him and, and he did give it to us or whatever. So we still have it. It's beautiful. But um, anyway, so I didn't think about the butterfly thing again. We had put it away. We didn't hang it up in our house or anything. It's a picture um, until later. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, like this butterfly, like everything connected back to butterflies. Like that was one of the experiences when he was on his deathbed, that's the thing he was talking about. He was reliving that story with me and his parents. Mm -hmm. And like, it was such a highlight of really his life, you know? Um, so right. now I have that beautiful print of a butterfly and it reminds me of, it just reminds me of him and like just his excitement for um, the things that lit him up. You know, he wasn't like one of those who were like, raw life is so amazing, but the things that lit him up, lit him up. And that's yeah. what, inspires me to like follow the things that light me up and get excited about them and and don't and unapologetically dive into them whether or not it lights someone else up or not or whether or not I think I should be lit up by this thing or excited about it mm -hmm. or not it's like following that that little thing that you have inside that kind of like you know how you can feel it I mean I call it like a spark but like you feel mm -hmm. this excitement when you and it's and it's very much for you like only you Alex knows what like gets you like that and yeah. nobody can change it nobody can take it from you um so anyway the butterfly in that picture reminds me of that light in Ryan you know and that passion and that excitement for certain things that lit him up um but yeah the butterflies are everywhere always okay well so that leads us so much into your your current business and I, I have to say that I wanted to ask you this and I don't know if I ever have. So obviously, you know, I own and I'm in the process of selling, but I own Grace Pilates and Yoga in New Orleans. And I remember our opening day that you had left the symbol of Crystalline Open jewelry, a painting of that and a note that was tucked in the altar, the yoga altar and um, on Bridget's yoga altar. And it was just the sweetest, most thoughtful gift ever. And I was thinking about this, the symbology of your business, butterflies, and like, talk to me about how you're always sort of exactly looking for the spark, looking for the light. And I know inside, we can always be super honest with ourselves. Like you and I both are always looking for the light. That does not ever really mean that we don't have it sitting right next to all this dark, right? All this heavy, yep. all this scary, all this, you know, it doesn't mean that we're perfect when we look for the light. It means that we just know or at least for me, I can say, I know how valuable life is and how fragile it is. I know that for some reason I'm alive and some reason my kid's dad and my first husband is not alive. And that is tragic. Yeah. But I just know that because I have this life in me, all I can do to give back is to be the best mom version I can be to my children and the best 
lit up version of myself to honor the life that is still inside of me. And I'm just wondering, like, how do we make the jump from, of course, the butterflies? You were always into jewelry, um, into your, into your now company, which is literally amazing. Amazing. Thank you. And I remember when you were building and you were so scary, but so ready. And so I'm just so proud of you. And I, I can't wait for you to share your story about this. Yeah. So I had been in the jewelry industry for several years before, uh, a couple years, even before like dating Ryan, like we, we met at the jewelry store, but, um, I fell in love with jewelry working at the store and I fell in love with it because I actually, I went to school for something totally different. So I went to Loyola in new Orleans for communications and uh, marketing and advertising. That's what I was doing. And I hated it. I was selling advertisements and um, hated it. And I, I said, you know what? I want to go do something that I love that, that makes me happy. Um, I didn't say that I love back then. I remember saying, I want to do something that I'm happy to do every day. Cause everybody else, like I was in my twenties, you know, I, I could see all these older people who hated their job. They couldn't wait for the yeah. weekend and they were miserable. And that was just like the norm. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. And I just spent all this money at Loyola. I had loans. I did work study, all the things, but I didn't love what I was doing. And so my sister was in the jewelry business and loving it. Um, And we knew nothing about jewelry before being here. We weren't a family that had a lot of jewelry. And so I followed her because she was happy and she loved what she did. And then I fell in love with jewelry too. I fell in love with like the symbol that it means, like all the symbolic things that you celebrate with jewelry, people getting married, anniversaries, the birth of a baby, you know, jewelry is about celebration. And so I got to, you know, sit and design engagement rings with, with couples that were newly in love and me designing and sketching the ring and Ryan finding the perfect diamond for it. Like it was magic and and it was all Mm -hmm. symbolic, you know, it wasn't, about how much money I was making, which eventually did work out. And I was doing very well for myself, but I was really in it for what it represented, you know, um, mm-hmm. which was beautiful. And so when, when I stopped working the the jewelry store and started taking care of Ryan and then Winston, our son, I really couldn't go back. Like, no, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I just was struggling with getting back for one, just because Ryan wasn't there for two, because um, I wanted to be a, the mom I wanted to be. Like I wanted to p- bring my child to school. I wanted to pick him up from school. I wanted to um, have the flexibility that I needed to be the mom I wanted to be. And I love jewelry so much. So I'm like, how can I make this work? Like I just got to get creative and figure it out. So I really just dove into starting this brand of jewelry designed for women. And it's, you know, meaningful, minimalistic jewelry um, that's really for everyday wear. And it's jewelry that um, I see women buying for themselves versus like the traditional, you know, wait for your partner to buy you a piece. It's more like empowering jewelry um, and jewelry that really helps women celebrate themselves. And honestly, it's been one of the things that has healed me the most, um, is getting to take not only the craft that I learned and I know, but getting to put story and meaning into designs that mean something to me. And then getting to see other women in the world, like 
wearing my jewelry, doing amazing things. Like when I see you wearing the jewelry and leading these amazing retreats, like it blows my mind, you know, like I, I feel like a piece of me gets to go on these amazing journeys. I, one of my clients is a speaker on Tony Robbins stage and she's a billionaire, you know, Jamie Kern Lima, like no one knows she's wearing my jewelry when she's on Tony Robbins stage or when she was like interviewed by Ellen or whatever, but I know it. And like, it lights me up because I know it means something to her. Like I know when I see it on people, I just know. And I know the pieces like the strength necklace. I mean, I remember. I never take it off ever. I, I actually had a massage therapist on my trip this last week and I was one of Honduras. She made me take it off and I like started to have like a decent amount of anxiety for whatever reason. Mm. You So this story is so important to me because I think it, it represents our relationship. It represents you. It represents the fellowship of grief. Um, mm. Oddly enough, I've been watching This Is Us again. Like I don't recommend it's, it, but it's so I'm good in. though. It's, so, it's good. so good. It's so hard to watch, but it's so good because if there's ever a show that represents grief and how it feels to be a widow or a kiddo who lost a, a parent and how grief stays with you forever, it is that damn show. But yep. I took, she made me take the necklace off and I thought about just the fact that I had not taken this necklace off since Carl's funeral. So in Carl's funeral, I don't even know, thousands of people walking the dang, you know, walking the line as they say. And mm-hmm. I'm just receiving, receiving all these beautiful messages about Carl things. You, you know, you learn things in those lines. You don't even know. You're like, what? I was married to him. But there's so many things I learned in that from all the stories and impact he had. And you came and slipped this, beautiful gold necklace and it's a strength pendant and it's just so me it's very simple I think it's I love simple and elegant jewelry I like clean lines I like everyday wear I'm not generally don't wear like big things that I have to take off or costume jewelry and I have never taken it off and what it represented to me was we became close in the while Carl was walking towards death you had already lost obviously Ryan and you had Winston and we were talking about all these themes and all this loss and all this fear that we have it's okay your puppy barking we love our little dogs in the background (laughs) somebody knocked on the door but i have cameras right here because i'm a weirdo and i can see that it's just the mailman (laughs) it's life i know i'm like all my all my people are always in the background one second away from banging in the show (laughs) but that moment was so i don't know even if i i felt the power of it in it and like in this in this world i remember there was another widower that actually led me to my therapist, which was much like you, like a light, like, or a silver lining friend who told me that in, in this process, you'd have these circles of people where like your very best friends or your old job that you were obsessed with that lit you up, like, you know, working at open heart, everything will move into new circles. And you're just constantly rolling into these new circles with new people or different people, because what you need in these states of this kind of cracked openness will change. You will change. And I always think like everything died. Everything died when Carl died. And I, and my love for him and my children, of course, are still alive and will always be alive, but everything else went away. And this necklace somehow is like, it was like, you knew that without words when you placed that on my neck and we're like, you're going to be okay. You're strong enough. Like we as women have to be strong enough. And this pendant to me is like, mm, it's so powerful. And when I, they took it off, I was like, like 
I know one day maybe I'll replace the string pendant with something different of yours, but I, 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 before on my neck that day, you might've remembered, I was wearing your other piece of jewelry with the C that Carl had bought me because my kids are Carl. He's no, goes by car, Catherine and, and my husband was a C. And so I was wearing a C and I, it, it eventually became time to take that off for me for whatever reason. I just, it was painful. It was painful that the three C's were not together anymore. And this is such a beautiful replacement, but our fellowship and the camaraderie that comes from walking this walk is it's really powerful. And I, Mm -hmm. I just love what you're doing. And you're doing that, not with just like widowdom. You're doing this with, you know, the elephant piece that you have. It's like about women's tribe and there's just yeah. so many beautiful people. So can you tell us the, so the symbol of your, your actually, it's your brand. Um, Wait, can I say your, one more thing about the strength pendant? Yeah, please. So I'm obsessed with this whole story. I wore that strength pendant every day. Like I, I actually, like I would like hang on to it and have to, like all my jewelry is reminders I need. So I, it, it would remind me of like, you got this, like you're okay. And I don't know what in the line when I was waiting, I was like, this is supposed to be Alex's. So that pendant was the one that I wore, you know, like, and I was like, yeah. I think I'm strong enough. And I think this Maybe is one day I'll have to pass it for Alex, <laughs> you know, you don't have to, but I just remember that. And then. Sometimes I, I love the pendant. I love the style of it. So sometimes I'm like, love maybe it. I should just, you know, I mean, I own the jewelry line. I can just go in the safe and put one back on. But I just haven't put it back on because I'm like, I think I own that part of my story. You know, I feel I feel strong. I don't always feel strong, but I feel I feel strong. Um, so, yeah, I just well that acute it- period post grief, you know, like after funeral. So last night I'm watching This Is Us and it's it's finally the episode where he passes away and then they go to the funeral. And and for some reason, David, this is odd, but David has never seen this show. I'm like, where the hell were you? And this is around 2016. I think it came out. And I didn't start watching it until 2018. And I actually watched first two seasons with Carl and then he died oh, and I never wow. watched it again. And so we're watching it together and I'm like, oh my gosh. And it's so crazy. In that funeral moment, I was thinking like, it's exactly the truth. Like you have, it's like the wind is just, knocked out of you when they die and all these motions and the hunkering down is such a healthy response because that's what you should do if you can. Yeah. And sometimes you can't, you know, and you just, it's interesting. Like you do need strength and you do need other women or other people to look at you and be like, I now feel like I do this a lot with other new widows being like, it won't always hurt this bad. Right. You won't always feel like you're going to suffocate. Like Yes. You do have everything inside of you that you need to get through this. It doesn't feel like that. Yep. And it, it never gets easier with children because it's constant reminders of their loss and your loss as a family. But you have this strength to continue on. And I just, yep. your jewelry to me represents that. It's like these external reminders that you exactly you said, like clasp your hand with something and tell yourself you're going to be okay. It's like, sort of like manifesting constantly where you need to be. And it's, it's yeah. beautiful. And yeah. I love that. It's, I love it yeah, so much. It's, and I, it's an honor to wear your jewelry. <laughs> thank you. It's like an anchor, you know, it's just like an anchor. It's like, just keep coming back to it. Like you are, you have what you need inside. You are strong. Like you might not feel strong. You have moments of weakness and like, but ultimately, you know, 
we, we're getting through it and we're doing the best we can and even better than probably we would have been doing if we didn't go through it, which is crazy, you know? Yeah. Tell, well, tell the listeners a little bit about like your branding and the symbol of, of crystal and Oakland jewelry. How do we, yeah. how did you come up on that? So, um, so the symbol for, I'm actually wearing it. So if you, I don't know if y'all do a video for your podcast, but we do. The okay. video is on YouTube. If anybody oh, cool. likes to follow on, you can follow on our YouTube channel. Awesome. Also, you can tune in in lots of different places. You can find the video. Awesome. So yeah. So my, my symbol um, is the, for the logo is the center of four interlocking circles. Um, you don't see the whole circle. You just see where the four inner interconnect. Um, and so that symbol came from when Ryan was sick, I designed a cross for him. And so in the middle of the cross were three interlocking circles and they represented Ryan, our unborn child at the time, who's now Winston and, and me. And I had the jeweler, he's an amazing jeweler um, that still works at Oakland Heart. And he hand designed, like hand etched this cross uh, to kind of look like a father Silos cross because ryan was mm-hmm. really connected with uh father Silos, and so it it's like hand engraved looks like wood which is crazy and then the interlocking circles um kind of had movement to them and they were each a different metal anyway it was a beautiful cross that was designed for him and just to remind him of like our strength together and then the circles being like how that's eternal you know, that's always, we're mm-hmm. always connected, right? And we're stronger together. And so when he passed, I kept thinking about three circles because he had written me a note on my first Mother's Day. Um, he Well, he didn't write it with his handwriting because his hands were too shaky from some medicine he was on, but he, he made his mom take him to the hospital in Texas. Like we were a little bit away from it where our apartment was. And he went there and he typed a letter and he found a symbol online of the three interlocking circles too. And he put it on the note and it's such a sweet note. It's on my, uh, on his piano right now. And it was just that reminder. We, he always drew the three circles. Like it was us, you know, it was our bonded connection. So whenever he passed, I was like trying to get creativity back. I mean, I'm a naturally creative person, but I was struggling. Grief really does a number on your creativity. And so Mm -hmm. I started painting. And when I was painting, something came to me about this fourth circle. I'm like, it's really not complete with just the three. Like the fourth circle really is like all the nurses, the doctors, like the family, everybody else who really was connected to us and supported us and made us stronger. So I kept drawing the four symbols and I actually got it tattooed on my wrist. Um, the four oh, symbols. I didn't know the four circles. Tattooed? Yeah. Is this relatively new? No, I got it like pretty soon after Ryan passed, like, you know, within like the year. Um, and so when I was doing my jewelry brand, we were like, I had a branding girl who was phenomenal. We were trying to figure out the logo and we're trying to like make letters and all this stuff. And all of a sudden it like hit me. I'm like, it's this symbol, but it wasn't the whole symbol. Like we kind of just took it down. Ryan would always say, get to the root of the fruit. Like whenever you're like digging Mm -hmm. into something, you know, he's like, just get to the root of the fruit. Like he'd always say that. So to me, I was like, let's get to the center and the core of what all of this is. And to me, all the connections was, I was just grateful, just so grateful for all the bonds and the connections that have made me stronger. And so that symbol became the symbol for gratitude, like just gratitude for all of my connections. Um, 
And so it became a logo and then has been like our best selling. We do it in three different sizes, but our best selling pendant. Now we have a ring and earrings, but it's, it's not an obvious sign of gratitude. It doesn't say gratitude. Um, mm-hmm. It's just my symbol for gratitude and, and other women have sort of like taken it on too, to understand what it means to them, you know? So, yeah, that's the one I've been wearing for a long time now. <laughs> no, it's so awesome. And um, I am so grateful for these stories because I think it's really cool because I think all you have left sometimes after someone that you love deeply passes away is is these symbols or the memories or there's you know there's certain things it's like images and um you might know that I have a oh, wrong arm um I have tattooed on my inner wrist same as you on the left hand mm-hmm. um the number nine and nines were a big symbol for us so all my kids were born on the ninth like even Kate she definitely we were in labor all day on the eighth. I mean that child. I was actually getting scared. I was gonna have to have a C section. It was taking so long. I was not oh, progressing at all. And I was like, oh no, I'm definitely gonna have to go to C section if she doesn't hurry the heck up. And then she skirted in. Her little fanny came out right on the dot on the ninth at midnight, just like the little sass that she is. Wow. And then when Carl died, he died nine nine nineteen at nine o'clock. Why Drew Brees? He was a big Saints fan. Um, was giving this after game speech and. Wow. You know, it was so interesting. Like I immediately upon him, you know, leaving the house or whatever, when they took him out of the house, he was on home hospice. I looked up like the numerology behind nine and St. Paul's nine spiritual gifts. And it was like all these um, words and connections to the type type of person he was. And we were married on the ninth and just so many things that all happened before I really put it all together, you know? And I, I never know. Like I still, I always think there's just nines have always been kind of pop in my world and it's kind of a giggle. Um, yeah. David always laughs and's like, I guess I'll be your 10, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so I love it. Uh, I know it's, well, it's so symbol symbols are so important they are. and they, and it maybe is just what we give to them, you know, the meaning that we give to the symbol. And sometimes it might be that we're looking for signs that they're okay. And it's, it's so hard when you're, spouse dies young because you just, well, there's so much unknown about what happens after they die. Like, are they safe? Are they, especially in cancer, are they out of pain? Yeah. You know, can they see that the kids are doing well? Like, are you doing well? Do they think you're doing well as a parent? And like, you're yeah. so alone. And, and, and then you have these little moments, which I'm sure you're doing with Winston right now. Cause he's just at that age where they do these things where you're like, they should be here. You know, yes. I remember Kate, she's saying, um, the national anthem with her singers group for school at a Spurs game. And I just could not stop crying. I don't, I mean, I don't know why, you know, we never talked about her being a singer or anything like she loves singing. And I was just like, I just can't believe he is not here to see this. Like mm-hmm. she is just full in her little energy and like exactly like he said she would be. And, you know, it's just weird. Yeah. Like symbols like connect you back that the past is, you know, it's yeah. still with you. And do you forever like, inside of you? I'm curious of your like thoughts or feelings. And obviously nobody knows what the truth is or what is real, but do sure. you believe that he's still with y'all? Like, do you believe that his presence is in that moment or do you feel like you, you can't, you don't know? So I would, I would be lying to say that I knew a hundred percent. I don't think I could ever be a hundred percent person. Um, I think the ideology behind Catholicism, which was big for Carl and really helpful for my family in the time of his fight. Like the, our church was amazing. Everyone was so supportive. But I would say that after he died, 
Carr's emotional turmoil was not super supported by the Catholic church and that, and some of the just ideology, I just can't attach to it. And that would pull me away sometimes from, from my true essence and belief, which is, yes, I do think he's here. I do think it's weird. I mean, I'm going to say this as a remarried person who's extremely happily remarried, like to think about like, if they're always watching you, then you're like, oh my God, like, <laughs> are they always watching? Are they always watching you have sex with your new husband? Right. Are they always watching? <laughs> like you think about this, if you've ever been on a date after right. as a widow, you're like, you're like, wait, I'm, it feels like it feels in the beginning. Yes. You're like, we're cheating. I, yes. So I'm like, that's watching. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I don't know. It's, it's a fucking yeah. weird existence there, but yeah, I, I get the strongest presence that he's with me at certain moments and I have to get really still, you know, the place that I probably feel him the most is, is, um, when I take a really good deep yoga class that I've worked my ass off in, and then I am like in Shavasana and laying there, I then, I then like hear him yeah, and sometimes see him. And that could just be, you know, my heart is in the right space. Like I have to get myself aligned in alignment, but I don't dream about him a lot, which is sad. Like mm-hmm. I've had no dreams about him and other people like strangers will be like, I had this amazing dream. Carl came to me and told me all these things about you and the kids. And I'm like, what? It makes me kind of stress. Like I'll be like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, Why isn't he coming what? to me? <laughs> right. Now my therapist loves to say that that is because a lot of dreams can be about the unresolved of your subconsciousness. So she calms me in that saying like, you yeah. guys did a lot of work in therapy prior to his death. So maybe there wasn't a lot of things to work through in your mind. Like David, his wife said so suddenly that he has dreams about her all the time. And I yes. think he's working through a lot of the closure. That makes so that much heart. sense. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? Do you think Ryan is, I mean, butterflies, obviously like you yeah. feel his presence a lot. I do. I do. Um, I do, I definitely do. Like, I feel a lot of guidance. Like I feel a lot of, um, guidance, sort of like a reassurance. Um, yeah, I I do. I like, I feel at peace for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like he is at peace and that makes me feel at peace. Um, but no, I do. I feel him around us. Uh, not in a ghost way or like a weird (laughs) way, you know, like, yeah. I think there was something about us that when we started dating, we had like this energetic connection. We called mm-hmm. it like electricity. Like you could really feel this current between us. Um, and it wasn't like a chemistry. There was chemistry for sure, but it was like an energetic um, exchange. And when he died, I was like, I'll never feel that with him again. Like he's gone but it's still there. It's, it's faint. Cause I feel like I would feel that energy more when he was physically in the room with me more than if he wasn't, but mm-hmm. I still have that like connection, you know? And I think everything really is about connection. Like we, as humans, we crave connection and like this, the yeah. symbols of the jewelry, the symbols of the numbers, the symbols of the butterflies. It's really us saying we just want to continue to feel connected. And I think some people are in a place that they can see and accept those connections and recognize them. And some people aren't, and sometimes we aren't, you know? Um, Right. But yeah, I think it all comes down to connection. And I think we are all still connected even once we pass for sure. 
I think so too. I mean, and I think it's interesting. People can make a lot of assumptions, judgments, comments as you, as you try to step forward and, and rebuild your life and go forward and try to live whatever life pans you or whatever you choose to move forward in that way. But it's challenging because exactly, I think the connections are always there. The grief is always there. I think that's why I'm falling back in love with This Is Us because I'm like, it's so accurate the way the adults in that are carrying the grief, but trying to, you know, they're living and and actually loving and healing and trying to find it. But like, I think that's a really accurate thing in this. Yeah, I think connection is, well, it's everything to me really, you know, yeah. that I yeah. built my whole company or I'm, I laugh. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know that we're making more than like, you know, a hundred dollars right now a month, but I, right. I feel more successful than ever at yes. this point. And, and it's not about money for me anymore. It's just like, you do so much philanthropy. I feel like it's so impressive. I, for some reason, because Carl was so heavy in philanthropy in the process of, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just can't connect to sometimes those traditional philanthropies. And I feel like sharing and connecting the way that we're talking about right here is like, is my philanthropy. It yes. is this way. We need that. I needed that so bad. You gave that to me. Like you were like, everything's going to be okay. I remember, remember started to think about going on a date and you're like, mm -hmm. it's okay. And I was like, yep. is it okay? And like, are you hiding? You're like, well, sort of, but yes. it's okay. <laughs> I want no one to see me, but yes. I do go on things sometimes, right? <laughs> I feel like that's still but me. But you know, I saw a medium um, right before I met David. And I tell the story all the time because it was so crazy. Sorry. It was so crazy. No, you're okay. My sister sent me to, I saw that you're going to that, um, I'm following, the, what's his name? The, Travis? Is Travis the Unicorn? Seth with him. He's amazing. Yeah. He's amazing. But I saw a medium and the medium was telling me Carl was screaming at me to open my heart. And it was something we talked about all the time. Wow. And I never listened to him. And we talked about that after, you know, after Carl or well, right before Carl died. Cause you were like, are you ready? Like, how do you know? Did he, did you guys talk about death a lot? Cause I think you guys did not. And that we was like not. one of your things, right? Yeah. It was a hard step. Yeah. We did, we did and we didn't like Carl would not really want to go there all the way, but he would say like the one thing he would continually go to is he wanted me to move on and get married again because yeah. kind of like we talked in the beginning I think our journey was long long five years and and it took a lot away that the hardness of that story and that and that exactly that caregiving that I I felt I had to do 110 of my heart into that took me away from my kids a little bit and took me away from mothering and took me away from marriage and took me away from things that I think are important and I you know I would never change that like I know in my heart that I was meant to be in his life yep. for our children, for our love, for my healing, for his healing and, and to help him die and live out his dreams before he died. I don't know that he, I wonder if we weren't married, like what his life would have looked like. It would have been different. Absolutely. No, you were meant to be there. And being on my side, witnessing you go through that stages that, I had already went through, you know, I kind of, yeah. obviously we all kind of knew where it was likely going, especially at certain sure. points. Um, but I just remember being like in complete awe of you, like running businesses with the kids, doing all the things. I'm like, how is she ever going? Like, how does she do this? 
Um, I don't know. I think I busied myself to not break down if we're really honest. Like yeah. productivity probably is like one of my um, ways to be validated in my childhood. And so, you know, like I think even up until the creation of Wake, I'm, I'm having to work very hard to balance right now. So like when you have a virtual, you know, you know, you don't, you, for, you now have a stand up, but like this virtual community and build is like, you could, you could tire yourself at work until you bleed out. And everybody wants that. You, or like, it feels like everybody wants that. It's probably not true. It feels like everybody wants that from you. And like, I sort of aim to please if I'm not paying attention to myself. Yeah. Um, and so I'm working really hard to stop that pattern of more, 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 more. And, and I don't care. I don't care if I make a lot of money from this project. I don't, I want to love my project, be proud of it, but I really want to be here for my kids right now. And so I constantly am like, nope, I'm not putting out enough content. <laughs> nope. It's not moving as fast as I could, but with grace, I was, it was opposite. Like, I think I escaped by watching other people get healthier. It was like, I could control mm. this magnificent Pilates gift that I have and I could see the body and help them discover themselves to get healthy. And that yes. was like so powerful to me that I could just step out of this one situation that I really had zero control. But in all truth, like I burned out right before I met Dave. I was burning out. I was burning out. Yes. I, I had 10 clients a day. I was scared to death. I was going to lose all everything after pandemic. Um, I just could not make enough money to feel I, that might be another problem of mine, but it was scary. I, I mean, yeah. if we don't sit and talk about the truth of anxiety and how scary it is to be a single mom alone after you've not been a single mom, yeah. even when they're sick, you still have like a bounce off or income secondary or, you know, yeah. lots of support with them. So it was, you know, it was so freaking scary. And I so remember scary. you said when Carl died, it was like you grieved for the first time. And I think that happens to me too. Like, I think uh, you are like, go to the funeral, be strong, yeah. <laughs> get, get the task and make it as beautiful and as representative of your life, like symbolically as amazing as you could. But the fall apart for me has been the last, you know, four years. Really. It's like we had to be sort of like broken down and rebuilt after this, right? So like we yeah. went to like the bottom of the bottom, even though when we were both at the top of the top, right? And then it it's felt like, like that externally. Yeah, it, right? it, it did. <laughs> it felt like, oh my gosh, my life is so like, for me, it did. I was like, I married an amazing person. Like we were best friends. We loved what we did. We had great careers. We're having a baby. Like, you know, we, yeah. we, we just did like, it was everything I wanted. And then it got like completely broken down with the loss of Ryan. And now it's like this rebuilding mm -hmm. along the way, but like doing it more intentionally, but still That's feeling right. the like, choices. yeah, the choices. Choice you know yeah. what I mean? And not that we didn't have choice in the first, but I think I, in a, in a naivety and this is not in a degrading way, but like, did you ever feel like, well, when you first felt, you just fell in love and it was exactly, Carl and I were exactly the same. It's electric, magnetic, mm -hmm. passionate connection, but I didn't think it through. Like, mm -hmm. it was just like, this is it. Let's do it. Marriage, babies, all the things, moving, following careers, just choosing things that felt right in the ladder climb. 
Yeah. Now I'm like, what I know to be true is climbing the ladder means literally nothing when I'm laying in a casket. Exactly. What matters, I know what my kids are going to be saying about what when I die, like or what they could be saying if I go that direction and I don't want to go there anymore. Like I just know what's important to me and what I want my legacy to be is is the love and the connections that I build. And and that's really kind of a smaller circle where my old life felt like it was a larger outreach, you know? Yes. And not that I'm like private, obviously I'm sitting on a microphone (laughs) telling my deepest secret. There's so much in that. Like, okay, so now you get to design. I always call it, because I guess, because I'm a jewelry designer, but like design a life you love. So now you're doing it in an intentional way. You're podcasting, you're, you're sharing this message, you're sharing other people. I mean, I just listened to you and your husband's podcast and it was phenomenal. Like just to hear the gem, it's, it's just beautiful. And just to hear, um, his perspective on things was fantastic. And, uh, but doing those things, you're, you're serving other people while you're still being able to be the mom you want. And, you know, do the retreats and serve people. I've been to your retreat. It was phenomenal also. And you pour in, when you do something, you pour into it fully. And so that is a lot, it takes a lot of energy. So I'm inspired by you watching and witnessing you sort of tame it back a little bit in the overall energetics of giving so much to everyone yeah. and really focusing in on what you're like, no, this is what I'm supposed to focus on and what I want to focus on. And this is what I'm going to do. And I, I love that. And there's well, and I think it's, yeah. there's an obligation. Sometimes do you feel this way? Like there's an obligation sometimes, or I used to feel an obligation to, if I saw a thing that could prevent someone from hurt to like show them the way or explain the way. And I now realize that the only way to healing is through yourself. And like, yep. I can put all this on an app, which is so great because the app is so powerful because you can get in and move towards the way that is best for you and your healing journey. And I, yes. I, I've had to kind of let go of my, some of my intensities. I keep my intensity in, in my family at this point. There. <laughs> my poor children. <laughs> we actually were having a sex talk in our house last night so they have to do like my boys are in eighth grade and they have to do sex ed this is way off topic but hilarious I mean and I was thinking to myself this is just a sample of what we go through right and I think you can contest this I was thinking oh my god what would Carl be saying right now so here's my son and then my stepson who are in the same grade yeah two very different kids but like get along great and they're talking about their future sexuality or what they imagine it to be. And I'm just sitting there in the presence of it, trying to be like, okay, I don't want to shame them. I talked about like, I'll get a drawer full of condoms. I'm sure, sorry if my mother-in-law is listening, but it's just (laughs) going to happen. But I was like, just talking about all these things and they were hilarious. Like, well, how do you, my son said, how do you know when you look at a girl naked, if she has an STD mom? And I was like, oh my God, there was just so many questions came up. And I was like thinking, Carl would have loved this. It's a good question. I know. I was like, give me a millionaire if you can come up with that, but I don't know. You can't, so keep it in your pants. <laughs> this way, it's so crazy. And they were saying hilarious things of like these things they had heard that were not true. And oh. um, it's just funny, you know, parenting is like that. As a widow, like, it's like David and I are now like a family 
And then you're always thinking inside your head, like, I wonder what Carl would have said here that yeah. I might be missing or, you know, or he'd be laughing just listening to this oh, whole yeah. situation. He'd be cracking up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I no, know. it's, I don't, I don't look forward to the days that I have to have those talks. So you, you're ahead of me on that. And I will be phoning a friend and you will be the friend I'll phone on that one. <laughs> well, I used to, if it's any consolation, I used to tell Carl over and over and over again, I swear to God, if you die and leave me when they start masturbating and like have all these like hard boy things, I just don't quite have experience with enough to understand why and be a good support to him. I'm, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to come up. I used to say, I'm going to come up to heaven and kick your ass when right. it happens. And he had to laugh and laugh. He's like, you're going to be fine. And I sat in the presence of it last night. And, you know, we were talking about, I mean, more stuff. They know more stuff in eighth grade than I thought, by the way, oh. by the way. Oh. I think one comment that came out, and I'm, I'm not going to say which child was just to protect their inanimate, because if they listen to this, they're going to kill me. was like, the goal is to get it in the hole. I was like, okay, boys. Oh my God. The goal for you, if you want to actually ever have a lady stick around, better be more than get it in the hole. <laughs> but I was thinking, like, I didn't. I'm talking about hard things and their penises. And I didn't even, like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to celebrate this. This is, like, huge. I have an opportunity to, like, do this and do this better. And it's just, yes. that's how it feels to be a widow. You almost have to, like, just nail it and tackle it and be like I'm all right I've been through really fucking hard things exactly sex talk is okay you're gonna be fine when you get there actually yeah. it's kind of comical oh and I'm like you don't have the dad perspective per se to like slam it down you get to be like from a woman's perspective telling your son how to be a good lover we might have an opera whoever our kids wives are you're she welcome will, she will you're thank us later <laughs> you will thank me later that is hilarious <laughs> and also frightening oh my god well okay so the last things i think we should discuss are talk about um taking chances on yourself i think is really huge because you have been doing a ton of that yeah i mean i think i, I keep going back to the idea of like just keep doing what lights me up and I love encouraging other women to do that. So I guess in 2021, I started doing uh, like some motivational speaking, which has been so much fun. Um, it's been so fun. So I do this motivational speaking around um, like a journaling strategy that I have that's super simple. And it's the thing that's been really lighting me up, but I couldn't figure out how to connect it. Like, I'm like, I'm a jewelry designer. I'm a motivational speaker. Mm -hmm. This is like, you know, so interesting, but it's, it's worked. People have been receptive. Um, and it's been the thing that lights me up. And so I'm not going to, you know, I guess in the past I would have been like, stay in your lane. Like this is what you're supposed to be doing. And so yeah. I'm, just, but you don't have to. I don't stay have Stay in whatever to. lane you want to stay in. Like, why, who the fuck tells us this? I get stay in your lane if you're trying to, like, give people medical advice when they're, like, you know, on deathbed or, like, it's not in your – stay out of your – stay out of that lane. But Exactly. Stay in your lane and career. I'm like, why do we have to be so, you know, stuck in these boxes? Like, you can, you can be a motivational speaker and talk about journaling and, I mean, can we talk about fire on a wire? Yeah. When you told me that, I was like, that's going to be amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So Chrislyn came and like, this had already been, this concept had been launched. You'd already, I think you had done it maybe like privately, but you did it at Wake and it was. Yeah, it was my it was first like. Wake retreat. Yeah. One. Yeah. Like that, first yeah. big group or something yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. 
it was a total success. And by the way, I'm still wearing mine. I'm like, I need to come shopping, by the way. I'm coming to buy like eight pieces. I need new stuff. <laughs> I need, I want to look an anklet. I need a couple more things. I need to have intentions to fire on. Yeah. And um, she soldered on these bracelets while women were making these massive proclamations. And it was so, I mean, it was we planned it, but it was so unexpected how impactful that was to these women who all, I mean, they woke up, they woke up and maybe they won't stay forever awake, but I know when they look at that damn bracelet, they are thinking about whatever it was that they intended to think about. Yeah. And it was super emotional and powerful. I mean, it changed my life. I literally fired a wire and said I was selling my business. Do you remember? Yes. And you already was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know. I know. So my stand up in New Orleans, like, honestly, I've stepped out. I was living in Alexandria, which was like a couple hours away. And then we got this job change for David that was like, just, we could not turn this job opportunity down that was here in San Antonio. And so we moved. It was the best thing for the family. And everybody was a little judgy and critical about it. But um, we knew, we knew that it was like the right thing for everybody. And so we, we took the jump and uh, I'm still very integral in Grace and still teaching at Grace and mentoring in Harmony is totally running the ship. And she accepted the host ship with New York and I'm becoming a lead instructor, which is like a bigger role for New York so it all travel around globally teaching, but it's been really cool. But I did that breath work with Callie and then was like, it just was like, I felt like Carl was, if you, that was a moment too, where I was yes. like, oh, he's here. And I just, everything inside my soul was screaming to me that I, it was time. It was, she, that baby was ready to be let go with Carl. And it was time to let go of some of this old trauma and really focus on being a mom and focus on where I am and, and, and own the choices that I've made, which I'm, I'm feeling really good about that and, and choosing joy instead of always choosing sort of just the grief story, which people don't understand. It's like, no, I'm, I am in all this joy and I'm also in all this grief, yeah. but it's okay to celebrate the joy. The that doesn't can, take away the you love. You can hold the two. That's what's like I learned and yeah. so powerful is like you can literally hold grief in this hand and you can hold joy in this hand and they can both coexist. And that's yeah. hard for some people to understand. It was hard for me to understand at first, but it's the, yeah, a, the most beautiful thing because the grief makes the joy even better almost because you know how bad it could get. You know what you're going right. against, you know? Um, I know. I know. And I, I, uh, I'm so obsessed with you. Like I've just, I can't thank you enough. I really think sometimes your belief in me or your, it was just this like gentle nudging that you would do your, it's okay. And like, I feel like I got a chance in the retreat to kind of say that back to you Oh, in some yeah. ways. The retreat was like in a gentle way. Like experiences. you needed to be helped a little bit. And I think then, it, and then it was like that fire on the wire was like, you were like, it's okay. You can sell your business. I was like, we just keep doing this back and forth where we're like, we're, we're going to hold on to each other. And by damn it, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. And then we're going to make it mean. Yeah. And so we are designing. And, yeah. That we love, right? Like it's a huge thing for both of us. And I think that's what's connected us from yeah. unknowingly. And, our stories connected us, but yeah. we're very similar in a lot of ways. And unapologetically doing it. Like there have been a lot of people in our lives and we both know our stories a little deeper that have told us no told us things, you know, that we shouldn't do, couldn't do, whatever, have maybe told mm -hmm. other people they thought we were crazy about whatever. But the thing is, literally, unapologetically, keep taking these chances on ourselves for the things that light us up. Like, I will do that until the day I die. And I will have, when you're, you're at my funeral, you could say, she 
literally lived her life lit up. Like, am I always like, rah, rah, yay, this is what we're doing. But no, but it's, I'm going to continually step forward into the thing that lights me up. No matter if it looks crazy, feels crazy, doesn't make sense. If it's the thing that lights me up, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to like, I'm going to not apologize for it. I love that. And I think it's so powerful because designing the life that you love is, is essential. It's an essential part of being a widow that honors the person or a, someone who's lost someone that it's, a, you know, like you're, you honor life forever after walking this walk, or you at least try to, and unapologetically looking for the spark. And I'm like, unapologetically, I think one of the things that I'm thinking lately is I'm unapologetically being who I am. I'm unapologetically being who I am. That just came to me. I'm saying that out loud. I'm going to say it again. I'm unapologetically being who I am. And sometimes I am too much for most people. I know that about myself. I'm really deep. I've always been this way. I've always been extremely intense. I want people who come in our in my inner circle to sit at this table and like be the real them. Yes. Like I don't like, I don't want, I don't want to sit at I I I'm fine to sit at the table and have cocktails with people who don't want to do that. It's okay. But if you really want to be in my life, I really feel like, why do we have to hide? Why do we have to because I think I had a lot, I had to do a lot of that in the beginning where I was like, can't fucking do this anymore. Yeah. It's exhausting to hide. Yeah. And at this point, I'm like, if you if you're for me, you'll be with me. And my numbers are really shrinking. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay because those connections are deeper. It's like you go smaller and tighter and deeper connections, you know. And that's okay. That's how we find our people. That's how people connect with your business, connect with your app, and they're like, oh my god, I found my people. You know, go to your retreats, like. Yeah. Because we don't, we don't need everyone to, to go on this journey with us. You know what I mean? But we need the right people and that's what lights us up, you know? Well, I think the bigger work to be done that I'm working on too, is when you design the life that you love, you, and then you're, you have to stay in it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you need, then you push out for it and you're wanting. So I want connectedness just like you do. I want symbolic and emotionality attachment to everything I do. Yeah. If I don't feel passionate or emotionally connected to things, I really struggle to do them. Like laundry, same. I'm never going to be never going to be good at that. I'm just not. But I'm learning what I need to, to work on and I'll say this out loud is I have to let others not be there and that's okay. Yeah. And I just let it, let them go and let them come back if they can and if they can't, you know, we had a moment we you know, we saw each other for who we are and, and it's okay. It's yeah. all good. Yeah. So I think that's our journey, like designing the life you love, maybe learning to let go and it doesn't have to be so tragic like death. It's just seasons, yeah. circles release, of people. Release yeah. some things for sure. That's right. Well, okay. So thank you so much. I literally could have you on a million times. My dog um, keeps barking. I'm so sorry. I don't like, care. Your dog is such an angel. And my whole family is really like- And my son is- on a call. I got to shut this door. Okay. Did you do a good job? I know. I can barely hear. It's okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate you so much for coming on the show today. Um, I think there's so much value in everything you have to say in the show notes, everyone you'll find Crystal's jewelry. She's putting a promo code up for some, some jewelry, uh, a little, a little sale for some jewelry, which is awesome. Find her stuff, send it to your girlfriends, put it on your neck. Um, watch how many awesome, really inspiring people are wearing your jewelry. There's so many, I've seen so many celebrities and like just badass people wearing your jewelry. And then also 
Um, follow her because she does journaling and she does motivational speaking if you want to hire her. And then fire on a wire. You can literally do this in her pop-up location in Metairie or you guys are still traveling, right? Yeah, we travel sometimes. Yeah, we do it. We do it at different locations. But for yeah, the right price, she will travel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing. We did it in the retreat, and it was so cool. So they basically put sparks on your bracelet with fire, with your intention that you set. And it's. Am I wearing one? If you're watching a video, um, this is my. I'm selling my business to focus on loving myself and my family mm-hmm. first, and. Um, man, I'm still working on that intention. I'm, it's not final, but it's, it's getting closer every day. I love it that you have your bracelet and you can't like, you have to look at it every day. You know, there's no clasp. You can't take it off. So it just reminds you of what you're working on. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so proud to call so you my I hope, friend. Thank I know. You. Oh my God. You're such a dear friend. And everyone just who is lucky enough to know Kristen, um, she's a philanthropist. She's an amazing mom. She's always volunteering and doing things to help others. Um, she's just a light. So mm-hmm. You keep shining bright, my friend, and everyone will hopefully purchase your jewelry um, in solidarity of your amazing story. And I can honestly say that you have changed the trajectory of my life in so many ways. And you are one of those silver lining friends for me that has impacted me deeply and still does to this day. I think about you all the time. So mm-hmm. I'd say the same honor thing, is mine. You are my closer of grief month. And I wanted to end on a bright note because there are, as you're saying, you know, designing the life you love after loss is challenging. It takes a lot of work. Yeah, it does. It's really beautiful when you get to make choices and live from intention and symbols. And I'm going to go look for my butterflies tonight. (laughs) It's possible for (laughs) sure. You know, it's possible that, you know, go from loss and to really design the life that you still love. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't seem real when you think about it, but, um, it's been an, it's been an amazing journey. So thanks for letting me share parts of my story here. I, you have been just like such an amazing friend to me. Your retreat was life-changing for me. I know I will be Mm -hmm. at another one soon, I'm sure. And, um, I'm just excited to keep witnessing your journey. So thanks for having me. Okay. Well, I'm saying it on air just so I can set some intention. We've been trying to co-design a wake wellness bracelet. It's going to happen. I got to get the, um, so everybody out there, if you want some beautiful gold and silver, beautiful, I mean, her jewelry is literally, I've been wearing this since 2019 and it has not fallen off. Okay. (laughs) And I'm rough, rough. I work out all the time. I'm always breaking all my jewelry. (laughs) David bought me some gold necklace from the islands. Like we went on, when we were getting married on the island that we got married, it broke in three days. Like I am on my jewelry (laughs) and it was so gold. So it's not just that it's very durable. It It hangs around it's beautiful forever so uh look for that collaboration which is eventually coming so, yeah but buy some apps so that we can buy lots of cool beautiful jewelry yep <laughs> thanks, thanks i appreciate you bro. love you thank you so much love you too this has been the wake the f up podcast hosted by alex long Be sure to check out our other episodes where our community of experts share tools and ideas to help you wake to the life inside you. If you enjoyed this episode of Wake the F Up, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Join the Wake community by downloading our app. Just search for Wake Wellness in the Apple or Android App Store and follow us on Instagram at The Wake Wellness. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Caroline Pickens and the team at Fresh Picked Studio. For more information, go to freshpickedstudio.com.